You're listening to Hashtag No Filter with Zach Peter. That's me, your naturally platinum blonde pop culture connoisseur. I'm the reality TV junkie, self-improvement addict, and host with only the hottest tea spilled fresh weekly. For more hot takes, go and give me a follow at Just Plain Zach. I always keep it funny and I always keep it cute. And if you're like me and you want to stay up to date with the latest reality tea, just go and give us a follow at No Filter with Zach on the Instagram. Or you can always join the li- with the link in the description below. I hope you are sipping on some fizzy housewives inspired rosé, packing a punch of 40% alcohol by volume, but less than a gram of sugar. I designed four fun cans of rosé with my pals at Elix. We have one inspired by Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, Atlanta, New Jersey, and New York. So you're going to want to stock up for this holiday season, whether you're having a holiday shindig. I know I am this weekend, and I'm going crazy with cleaning and planning and and spending way too much fucking money. But I want you to spend your money on some good Liddy City wine. So head over to nofilterwine.com. That's nofilterwine.com. It's also a great gift for your Bravo-obsessed besties. So go and check it out, nofilterwine.com. Okay, so I, as you know, I've been diving beyond Bravo television, unscripted television. I've been watching a lot of Netflix shows. And I decided I wanted to watch this Colton special. Colton from The Bachelor and The Bachelor, or The Bachelorette, and then The Bachelor and Bachelor in Paradise. I've seen some of his clips on social media, but I didn't know too much about him until he actually came out. And then I was like, ooh, let me slide into his DMs. Obviously, he never responded. Um, But he has a new Netflix special out called Coming Out Colton. And I figured we'll dissect it today and dive into the series, what I think about it. And I decided to invite a friend on. You may know him. He was on the show a couple of weeks ago from 12 Dates of Christmas on HBO Max. He was the cutie with the booty that got booted way too soon. Please welcome back on Hashtag No Filter, Benjamin Sims. How you doing, Benji? Hi, I'm well, Zach. How are you, love? I am doing well. I binged watch this Colton special. What were your What were your thoughts about it? Um, first of all, let me say thank you so much for having me back. I really yeah. uh, enjoyed us approaching this um, and you having me on. Um, it, it's a lot. I, I binge watched it. I am almost done. So close. Um, but it kind of brought up a lot of things that I dealt with. Yeah. Um, and my experience in growing up and, and my coming out story. Yeah. I thought I, I really wanted to have this conversation, especially with you, because as two gay men, both in, you know, media, you were on 12 Dates of Christmas. Obviously, you have a very um, attractive Instagram account that gets a lot of attention as well. Colton obviously was on reality TV. Um, You and I have both done bits of reality TV in the past. And it's interesting because one of the things, and I was texting with one of my friends, Jess, about this, because she has a podcast that's very much, you know, that focuses a lot on like LGBT and queer culture. And I was telling her, I was like, you need to watch 12 Dates of Christmas because one of the things I love about this show is that it's not like your typical Bachelor show. And it's not, because I remember when they first came out with like the first gay Bachelor and it was like a big PR thing. And it was, you know, everybody, or even on Housewives, when they bring in one of, you know, on Beverly Hills or in New York, when they brought in the first black housewife of those cities, it took them long enough. But, you know, when they introduced that, it became such a, um, I don't want to say spectacle, but it, it just, it, it was a thing. You know what I mean? Whereas what I love right. about 12 Dates of Christmas is it's so 
natural the way that they incorporate people of color and people from the LGBT community as, you know, just regular suitors on a dating show. Like I didn't go into this show thinking, oh, I'm watching a gay dating show. This isn't like I think Logo tried to do a um, a gay bachelor. I think Finding Prince Charming. Yeah. Um, and so what I love about the show is there are three suitors. Obviously, we had Danny, who's a straight white man who was on the show dating. But we also have Amanda, who is of the LGBT community. And we had Markel, who is also of the LGBT community. And it just so naturally incorporated people of color and people of that community in an in organic way. And so that's why I was texting Jess. And I'm like, you need to watch this show. You're going to love it. And she's like, wow, I've had several other friends also tell me the same thing because we know Jess. So what was your experience like coming into 12 dates with that understanding of how, you know, these shows typically play out? Um, that's a really good question. I, I tried to be as open-minded about this as possible. And I think we talked about this on the, past, the podcast yeah. for the little mini reunion you did last week, but it was more so like, this is not all an opportunity for me to find love, but it's also an opportunity for me to be representation for a community that's lacking mm -hmm. representation. Uh, growing up being gay, black, a young minority yeah. in a predominantly white area, like you didn't have this. Um, media didn't talk about it. And people joke with me all the time. They're like, oh, you didn't know the show when you were growing up. I didn't get cable until 2011, honey. Oh, wow. um, <laughs> right? I was just graduating high school. I just told my age, um, but that's, I didn't get that representation growing up. I was in the church. My mom's a reverend. My mm. dad was in the ministry. Yeah. That's where I grew up. You know, I look around, I turn around, that's just my family. So I wanted to be representation for someone that's little me yeah, or someone that's a darker tone as me or anywhere that's in it with a background like mine, so they, you know, that they're, they're not alone. And I think that, uh, in coming out, Colton, they talk about all the time, you're not alone. And I think that's kind of the start of this coming out process, knowing that you have a support system. And I wanted to give that to somebody else out there in the world. Of course, I wasn't on as long as I hoped to be. Um, so I didn't get to really expand on that. But I hope I gave a ray of hope to somebody. Yeah. So let's start at the beginning of coming out Colton, where he comes out to his parents. And obviously his parents have a reaction to that. His mom talks about, you know, guilty parent syndrome. She was in shock. She had a lot of questions. But ultimately, mm -hmm. she's like, did I do something that didn't make you feel comfortable coming out? Did I do something that put pressure on you? Or even his dad was like, did I do something that put pressure on you to be too much of a man to the point where you waited this long to be comfortable with yourself? What did you think of his parents' reaction to him coming out? Honestly, that's a lot for a parent. Yeah. Um, not it only is. is that you're telling your your mom or your father the first time ever, but it was caught on camera, yeah. right? So it's like it it always catches them off guard. But yeah. to add all these elements and camera crew, what people don't see, you know, watching, there's 20 people behind that camera, right? Yeah. Um, so it was just a lot. And I think that they handled it well. Um, and they even kind of hinted on it's going to be a process for them, yeah. which we have to understand as people that are coming out or people right. that have not come out yet. You have to understand that it's going to be a process for them just as much as it's been a process for you up until that point. Right. And you still have a long way to go. Um, but I was just I was shocked, you know, and that was not my mother's reaction. <laughs> I'll tell you that right now. That was not my mother's reaction. But I think both his mother and father handled it very well. But on the twist side that is a coming from a white perspective, a yeah. white family perspective, not really 
a black or a Latino or um, Asian perspective. Yeah. What was your experience coming out? How did your parents respond to that? Um, I came out twice to my mom. So I have two stories. The first time was a letter <clears throat> in the 10th grade of high school because mm. my boyfriend at the time came out to his family. He was white. He said he okay, was white. so you they were in him. high school. You'd already come to terms. You'd already had a boyfriend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it wasn't public knowledge at the time as far as family goes, but that's, I was like, okay, I'm going to come out to my family with a letter. So I wrote a letter to everyone mm. and everyone else accepted it except my mom. She was like, this is a phase. This isn't you. Um, this isn't how I raised you. And I'm just like, wait a second, mm, how I raised what does my sexuality have to do with how you raised me? And I think that's the question that we're all like baffled by. And when his mom and dad asked that, I was just like rushed with emotions and just memories of what happened when my mom did it. So the second time I came up to my mom, um, I lost my job Ooh, uh, about four years ago. I was performing at the Georgia Aquarium. I lost my job and I had to move back home. And I felt like I was living a double life with my mom and my dad. And I walked into mom's room one day and I was just in tears. And she was, of course, reading her Bible. She was like, what, what's wrong? I was like, I've been living a double life. And I just don't feel comfortable being here anymore without being open to who I am. So we, we kind of came to grips in terms. And she had known since I was two, she said, you know, when I began to develop my own personality and becoming my own, you know, person. Um, but it was never... I accept you as you are. Mm. It was, I love you. I'll always love you. I'll always be your mother, even if we don't see eye to eye. And they talk about this in this documentary. Yeah. Okay. I want to pop in really quickly to shout out one of my favorite partners this holiday season. And that is Pure Cane, an all natural, zero calorie, diabetic friendly sweetener that's healthy and tastes delish. It's naturally derived from sugarcane without all the junk ingredients. And trust me, it's yummy. Pure Cane is a great baking alternative. I love to slip their individual packets into some of my coffee or some hot chocolate. Dairy free, of course. And their baking sweetener makes a mean simple syrup for cocktails. Okay. I'm telling you, Pure Cane has been my go-to for years. My cabinet is literally always stocked. And let's be honest, their packaging is super cute. And you know I'm a sucker for some Insta-worthy products. The holidays are already jam-packed with sugar, so why not make a sweeter choice for yourself this season? Give Pure Cane a try today. Available on Amazon or head over to purecane.com. That's purecane.com. What did you think? Because obviously, I was also raised, I was raised Catholic. Um, you know, obviously, my family is Latino, so we, there were a lot of those, you know, machismo, gay is bad. You know, I even remember, you know, my mom unconsciously, and obviously my mother's had her own journey, but unconsciously talking about how, you know, oh, don't do that because girls do that. Or don't do that because, right. you know, that's, you know, what what does this mean? Does this mean you're gay? Like, you know, and but it was always said with like such a um, an undertone of like, we don't want to be that because that's bad you know yes so for me i i think you know obviously our experiences are very different but very much similar and then my my father's side of the family very religious very christian you know my grandfather was is a um you know one of the not not a pastor but he's one of the ushers at church very much dedicated to it. my father very much you know into into the bible and 
you know, it, it it was challenging finding your identity growing up. Obviously, I didn't have much of a close relationship with my father either. I would visit him, but I was my grandparents were more they took on that role for him. Mm-hmm. Um, I think my grandmother felt guilty that he wasn't really a part of my life. So she kind of filled in that role for me. And, you know, it's it's interesting, though, because you have the religious element of it. You have the cultural element of it. And so watching somebody like Colton that, you know, a lot of people would look at him and be like, he's white, he's privileged. He, you know, came on a reality show. And when he was ready to come out, immediately got a Netflix special and had a deal that he inked out. How are your feelings about, you know, obviously his experience is different. And the reality is we can't change where we come from. We can't change the life that we're born into. And so for me, I'm like, even though my life is very different from a lot of other people's, you know, I choose to just, you know, focus on my own path and what's going to help me achieve the goals. Obviously, some people have it easier. Some people have it more challenging than I do. But all I can do is stay, you know, on my own path and keep achieving the goals that I've set out for myself. But I want to know what your reaction is to see someone like Colton, you know, get a Netflix special and kind of have this, you know... I mean, there was a bit of a mixed reaction, but for the most part, he's been embraced. Right. And I have all my notes right here, but um, I'm going to look for that one. Let me first start by saying, like, I think you and I can agree on this. This is not to diminish his journey. This right. is not to badmouth Colton or um, his journey of coming out and his supporters and his fans. And I appreciate those people that are there for him because he's going to need it. And I'm here supporting him from afar, even though he has no idea who I am. Yeah. But um, I was going into this not wanting to like it. Mm. I will be completely honest with you. Because once again, a predominantly white man, um, well, sorry, a white man from a predominantly white history um, has been exonerated again. Um, So it's kind of disheartening at times, you know? Um, exonerated for his past, meaning like the the controversy that he had to that he's dealt with in recent years for stalking his ex. Yes, sorry about that. So thank you for clarifying that. But yeah, I mean, you had this well seasoned, very charming, handsome guy that well see coming from the NFL, then going to the Bachelorette, yeah. Bachelor and then the spinoff, um, and here we are again with a Netflix deal. And it's just like there, I'm so happy that a story is being told from a gay perspective. Yeah. I appreciate that, you know, but it's hard to accept those things because men of color never get those opportunities. Yeah. And if they do get those opportunities, they're never on this level. Yeah. Um, I'm pointing this way because my TV's right there. Sorry. But I, we're never, we never had that opportunity to yeah. shine in that, you know, and I, they talk about um, Michael. Um, why am I forgetting Michael's last name? Uh, Michael Sam. Oh, yeah. um, and his coming out journey and how they obliterated him before draft week. You know, they're uh, him and Colton are in the same draft class. I know nothing of football. Okay. I got this from the, the thing. Yeah. Um, but I know, definitely know who Michael Sam is at the end of the day, Michael Sam didn't get that. And it's just like, it's why didn't he, um, is it because he had opportunities and he chose not to, he didn't want to go publicly out that way. Yeah. Um, but there's a lot to digest in that. So I'm I'm okay with it. I'm very happy with it. But also I know that Netflix can do better. I know that any platform can do better. You know, HBO definitely did try. They had their first non-binary, which is the lovely Hina. Hina. Um, just a beautiful human. Yeah, that's a beautiful human. I love them so much. So what 
is the solution. Because like for me, I find myself having, you know, obviously I have a platform. I have people that, you know, look to me. A lot of the the content that I, I cover is more of like the fictitious reality TV, you know, cheeky stuff. But I do like mm-hmm. to have these deeper conversations, especially when I do interviews or even when some of the more cultural topics affect reality TV and we have to discuss them, you know, but the biggest question is how do we like, where do we go from here? I guess is, is really what it becomes. It's like, obviously white men, you know, even when it comes to Colton, you have the element of, you know, him being more masculine and dating women. So he is seen more as a straight man. Whereas like for me, like I've had to fight for so many opportunities because I'm not more, you know, mask. I obviously am more in touch with my feminine energy. That's who I am. I can't really change that. I can try, I can lower my voice, but it's not going to change all too much. You know what I mean? And so you have the element of color, you have the element of being gay and and then you have the element of not being so straight acting, you know, and sure. it's like, but what do we do to continue to open up opportunities for, you know, people like you and I and still allow there to be space for people like Colton to go through their own journey as well? Look, there is a space that the world is large, yeah. right? There's room for everybody. There is a niche. There is a, uh, a kink. There is a, uh, a fit somehow some way in whatever community that there is right and and you having this wonderful podcast that is a platform that you know i am now very appreciative of and you know i'm sure so many of your fans and followers are definitely appreciative of that so having more spaces like this but let's be honest it's it's money that backs a lot of these things Mm -hmm. so it's up to people at the table and in the room to go beyond where we are you know it's um, I literally asked my roommate earlier, I was like, so when you think about sitcoms growing up, we think about um, Full House yeah. and we think about, um, um, oh my God, why am I forgetting Urkel's show? Why, oh Family my God. Matters. Thank you. Oh my God, please don't kill me, internet. Um, Family Matters. Yeah, so it's like when we see these shows and we see Black fathers, that's what we see. We, we see it on Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. But right. when we think of, is there actually a, a, a gay moment mm. where we have people that are, no matter their you know, ethnicity, that they're gay and they're being you know, portrayed in a very good light. And I, I, all I could think of was Will and Grace, mm. right? Uh, so cliche, but it's like, that's the roommate, that's the best friend, but it yeah. never, does it really ever come out like, oh, you're, I'm gay. Um, so it's just like having those moments and having shows like that continuously um, promoting that in a in a positive light and not making it look so bad. I mean, they they dive they dive into religion. And one thing that you said was that stray acting, right? That's what Colton has. And in Gus said it, he says, presenting a straight, you're masculine, and there's privilege in that. Yeah. And it's just like, wow, you know, he's he's had these opportunities and maybe that's what he's feeling. He has all this wave of the world on him because he played in the NFL, because he was on The Bachelorette and The Bachelorette. And now he has his on Netflix. It's just like, he's a figurehead, right? So he's, once again, it starts with white privilege and then it just goes up from there. And then he's a straight male presenting as straight male acting. Right. So, um, yeah. I think, you know, for me, obviously you have the card stacked against you. You know what I mean? And so yeah. you kind of have to play the you, you play your hand to the deck that you're given. And for me, it's always been about, and I'm not saying this is the right approach. I'm not saying this is the appropriate approach. And I'm not saying that this is the approach everybody should take. This is just what's gotten me here to where I am is like just 
focusing on, like I said, focusing on my own goals and not trying to compare myself because nobody's going to start from the same, you know, track. It's nobody's going to start on the same level. And so for me, it was about, I knew I may not be, you know, the lead of a sitcom, but I'll create my own sitcoms. I'll, you know, use social media and the platforms like YouTube that I have to make myself the lead and then to continue to open those doors for hopefully other people as well, you know, or I was having a conversation with somebody that's in, in the process of producing new content and she came to me and she's like, you know, what types of content are you, do you feel like isn't being represented that you would like to see more represented represented in media? And I was like, well, one, I would like to see more ambitious young people, you know, because I started working at a very young age and I feel like we see people being young, dumb and reckless. And obviously, you know, we love a good Jersey Shore moment, but like I want to see people that are ambitious because there are elements of entertainment in that as well. But I want to show people that you can be young and ambitious and unapologetic about who you are and what you want from a very young age. And two, I was like, I also want to see more television shows about successful, you know, gay men. You know, right now, I know we're having this this rightfully needed girl boss moment of you seeing these women becoming entrepreneurs and, you know, their bosses in their own right. And I think that that's incredible, but I'm like, but we also don't really get to see, you know, you have the, the straight white man that's very, you know, successful and, and power driven. And then you have women that are now getting their moment, but I'm like, but I would also love to see gay men be in positions of power and like, let that be normalized. Like there are so many, like I would find myself going to all of these, you know, girl boss events, you know, and I would attend Mm -hmm. them because obviously I didn't fit the mold of what it means to be. I didn't, you know, wasn't going to these chase, you know, circle jerks that they were having about how to build your business and, you know, whatever, and how to spend your trust fund. And so I would go to these girl boss events because I was like, okay, at least here, I feel like I fit in a little bit more because not that I identify as a woman, but because, you know, I feel like I'm in the side of the minority in, in this. And so I identify with that, but there aren't, events for men or gay men or men that just don't fit that stereotype that can be successful and ambitious and bosses in their own lives. Right. It, it's looked down upon. And, yeah. you know, one of the shows, uh, my, you're the my assistant, you're friend. the GBF, you're, you know, these other roles that are not the leads. Right. And it's like, you're always bringing around these beautiful women and they're like, Oh my God, are you dating this person? No, that's just my best friend. It's just like, they, women, certain women just have this, this nurturing love. And it's like, that's what you want to be around. And, for me coming out to my mom, it's just like, that's what I need. Yeah. I don't need anyone else's approval. I have my sisters, both of them. I love them dearly, but like what I really want is my mom's, but, but yeah, it's, it's a girl boss trend right now. We, we run in trends. Isn't that yeah. what, you know, society does. And they just did one in Atlanta for uh, black female lawyers and my sister's best friend is on it. So it's like, yes, it's there. And mm-hmm. I'm so thankful for that platform. Um, because people of color are now having those moments and it, it should have never been that. Right. So now we're having to break down all these social constructs that were, um, that uplift and that were built to a white patriarchy, mm. right. We're having to deconstruct all these things now so that there's room for us. And to go back to what you said earlier, it's, we want this original content. I think of Issa Rae, like she had a platform for artists of all types to, create what they wanted. And it's for people that have a name and a platform already to welcome those other people onto board, right? It's, it's Netflix and it's HBO and it's whomever else going out and saying, look, this is the product. I'm sorry. This is the product that you have. Mm -hmm. And this is what we want to help you 
push further out, right? It's not creating something new all the time. It's taking something that's already out there. And there's plenty of people out there in Twitter land and YouTube land that have these moments and these podcasts that need to be on bigger scales because that's where the real conversation happens. We love the the reality TV shows and we love yeah. the, the fictional um, uh, uh, reality shows, right? Uh, sorry, the fiction, uh, the sitcoms and all that jazz. But at the end of the day, it's real conversation that gets people through everyday life and understanding that they're not alone. And you add to that and it's, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah, absolutely. What's your perception of religion now being that that was a part of your past, maybe a part of your present. Um, I don't know, but like, obviously that was something that affected your relationship with your mother. So how do you feel about that now? You know, that, that was the fourth episode and they dug deeply into it was the end of the second episode going to the third and now the fourth episode they dug into religion a lot and it really struck a nerve for me because that's that's what i grew up in that's what i was brought up in and that's what i was taught in a very young age in a very black community um that's what you hold to that's that's what gets you through the hard times and it's not just blacks um it's anybody that holds to faith right but that is just part of black community that I know and I can speak on. So that's what I'm going to talk about, but it's like, um, that's where you find stability. That's where you find support growing up, being a part of the youth group and being a part of, um, the choir and just growing up within the church and then being told the church has now have to turn me away because I want to be who I am, which I was inherent when I was born that this is who I am. I'm gay. And yeah. of course, I don't know what gay is, but I'm being told that it's bad. Yeah. And um, it's like, do I turn away from what I've been taught for so long and what I, what I love and I hold on to? Um, or do I sacrifice and continue to sacrifice my inner self? And it's just an ongoing struggle. And I still struggle with that. My mom's a reverend and, and she uh, preaches at multiple churches Um but it's like when she talks to me, she speaks to me as a mother at times. And then she speaks to me, me as the reverend, mm-hmm. my mom. And it's, it's very hard to differentiate. And sometimes we avoid those conversations. But for me personally, like when I discovered I didn't have to be in four walls, a church to have a religion or a, um, a relationship with my deity, Christ. Mm-hmm. I think that I began to understand a little bit better. I became more comfortable. And when I accepted myself for who I was and the struggles and the ugliness and um, the dark sides, I began to understand my relationship with God a little bit better, right? And it came to me because I had a question myself. I'm like, is this actually the devil's work? And I'm working through what he wants. Isn't that such Um, a fucked up, like, mind, like... (sighs) It really messes, uh, and 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 that's something that Colton brings up in it as well, because he talks to his pastor, and his pastor is like, you know, obviously, you know, we still support you, but we just don't support the lifestyle that you're choosing to live. And he goes through that question of like, is this the devil working through me? And like, just imagine right. how like twisted, because I've gone through those same ones, but like how twisted. Like it has to mess with your brain, especially as a teenager or becoming a young man, and how much that like really convolutes your sense of self. Right. And you hear it in the, the, sorry, you, you see it in his face and his reactions, what his pastor saying on the phone, you see it when he's talking to his church friends that he brings on to the show. And it's like, no one can really talk about it. They're like, 
you know, we don't see eye to eye, but we love you. It's like, no, that's not what I want. Yeah. Like, it's much deeper than a friendship here. It's the, it's the, the salvation of my soul. And where do I go after this? If that's what you believe in, it's just like, that's what Colton wants answers to. Yeah. And of course we do get that. We get that breakthrough. Um, well, we hope to get that breakthrough and, you know, later in the episode, but it's just like, once again, and society posts like divorce and abortion and homosexuality as he's like, top sins everything else is okay but these three you can't do yeah. so it's okay to cheat it's okay to be in scandals in the church and we have a lot of this going on today i mean yeah. it's it's an everyday thing it's an every year cycle for this but religion is used as a weapon for thousands of years mm-hmm. and it's so sad something that we want to have a relationship with a higher being we can't sometimes when we're gay because we're being told oh you're not accepted so we'll take your money uh, we want you to participate in all the community events, but we don't accept who you truly are. It's hard. I remember when it was right before gay marriage became legal federally. And mm-hmm. I remember being in church and the pastor was on stage. And, you know, I liked the element of being a part of the church because there's community and there's a connection to a higher power. And there are all these elements that make you feel included and make you feel like you're part of something so much greater than just yourself. But I remember very distinctly, there was one time where, and it was right before it became legal, but it was where there was a lot of petitioning against it. And so I remember when we walked into church that day, there were petitions outside in the front for people to sign against gay marriage. And I remember going in, he was on stage and he had just wrapped up the service. And then he was like, okay, now I want everybody to get down on their knees right now. And we're going to pray for all of these people that are supporting the right to get married and for all of these people that are so lost. And I just remember like being so conflicted of like, I don't want to get on my knees because I don't support this, but there's an entire room of people that are getting down right now. And I don't know if I'm making the right or the wrong decision. And I remember getting down on my knees and sitting there and not praying, but just kind of feeling like, what the fuck is this? Like, what are we doing? Like, how are we, you have petitions outside and you, you know, are praying for all of these sinners when half of the people in this fucking room are divorced. Like, what the hell is this like twisted you know, I like, why are we not petitioning to abolish a a divorce? Like, why is that not something that you're out there trying to get rid of? It's so disheartening and heartbreaking. And like you, like you said, we're grown, we're raised in the church. We want to have a relationship with something higher than ourselves. Right. And we're told that we can't. And there's always a separation of church and religion. And growing, you know, going through school and, you know, learning government classes and, you know, history. I'm like, when was there ever a separation? We've utilized religion as a weapon and an aid for social, um, for, for government. Right. And it's, it, once again, it just goes back to white patriarch, what America was founded on and built on. Um, and it, it's just very disheartening that at the end of the day, most people, some people, can't seem to understand that it's okay to love who you want to love, no matter the color of their skin, the content um, of their character, or their sexual preference, orientation. Um, And I think that's why it was such a huge pivotal moment for myself on the show for 12 Dates, to not only see uh, a straight male going after love, but I saw a gay man going after love. But not only that, let's not be limited to a lesbian going after love, and then let's throw a non-binary in there. And I think it was just a beautiful thing that 
HBO was tapping into. I think we need to go a little bit further. Um, but I'm, I was just so excited to be part of that moment. It was such a, a beautiful time and there's so much room to be made up for. And I think not only HBO alone, but Netflix and all these other great companies out here, these media companies, there's a lot of time to make up for and a lot of stories to be told. And there needs to be space for that. Yeah. And I also want to clarify, because like I said, my family or parts of my family are very religious. And I remember, you know, one time hearing one of my aunts say, I guess there was a, a scene in one of the Wonder Woman movies that, you know, was a, a lesbian scene. I don't know. I, I didn't watch the movie. But I remember her saying something about like, why is it that they like, I understand if you want to be gay, fine, be gay. But like, why do you have to shove it down our throats? And it's something that you hear so often, but it's like, it's not that anybody's trying to shove it down your throat, but it's that this is real and this is around us and you can't take the blinders off because people exist in the world. And that representation matters because not seeing that makes you feel more isolated. Not seeing that representation makes you feel like you are this foreign alien in this world of like, there is something defective. There is something wrong with me. There is something that's not any more worthy of you know you who just got divorced and you know it just it it's so or you who's you know a gossip which is also another huge sin you know or it just it that that representation does matter because people need to feel seen and i think it's hard for people that have always felt seen to understand that right it's real it's it's tangible and that's and it helps young children growing up to help identify who they are. It's not persuading them to be one thing or another. It's allowing them to understand there is room for everything, for every curiosity, for every thought as you grow and you, you know, you, you mature through life. Um, But even Colton talks about that, like people that have those comments or those jokes or those side remarks, you begin to go back inside of yourself. And Mm -hmm. I'm not even lying. When I watch the religion portion of this, like, I began to go back inside and really dig down. Like, am I truthfully done with my own journey? Like, are there more things that I need to dissect for myself? Are there things from my life that are missing? Um, So it's definitely a great show to watch. It's definitely something that you want to question. Um, But there's just so many other perspectives on the coming out process. Absolutely. What did you think of the coming out party that they threw for Colton, where they bring all these guys in and they're trying to get him laid? Obviously, it was done in jest and it was cheeky or even the moments of like taking him to a sex shop and having him try on angel wings and all of that stuff. They're playing, you know, Gus was playing with him and they're giving him an opportunity to kind of explore his identity. I feel like at 27, 28, he's kind of, for the most part, built his identity. There's obviously room to be more comfortable in yourself, but he definitely definitely seemed very uncomfortable with those situations and me seeing that though also kind of rubbed me I know it was done in jest I know it was done lighthearted and I'm sure the producers continued to push that but it was also like but there's so much more to being a gay man than shopping for dildos and going to parties where you're trying to get late. Like, trust me, I love getting late. I get late a little too much. I don't have a dildo. I don't want a dildo, but like, you know, I, I have other things. Um, what was your response to that? I kind of felt uncomfortable for him. Number yeah. one, I, I knew two people in on that party bus. right? Oh. So I know Cody's husband. He's from Atlanta, Trey. And then I also uh, knew Luke, who's a guy that was in the background on there. But um, it made me uncomfortable for him. I'm like, like this guy just came out. And I kind of think back to my moments of coming out or my first time ever going to a great club. 
Um, and I was like, this is a lot. And it, it, yeah. it's with good intentions. I just think it was a little too soon for him. And I think what Gus did one-on-one going yeah. into the sex shop, having that secluded moment, you know, with a budget, you can do those things, right? So you can go into the sex shop and you can kind of fill out what is what. And I think Gus is taking this beautiful moment and this path with him about being his, not really a liaison, but really his partner in crime going through this because Gus talks about his, his relationship with his ex-boyfriend when he first came out, like he literally walked him hand in hand and taught him so much. I just think that, and what Colton said, he was very honest about it. I think this is just not the way that I want to go about this right yeah. now. And it takes a lot of guts to do that. And it made him very uncomfortable and it made me uncomfortable for him. Yeah. But even being on 12 dates, like I will never say that the producers on the show push things so much that we were like, we're uncomfortable and they still made us do it. But I remember something that didn't get shown with Markel in the hot tub was we talked about giving me giving him a kiss. And I knew it wasn't time because mm-hmm. I knew he wasn't into me. Um, and they kept saying, they kept pulling in my hot tub saying, are you going to announce that I'm kiss? You want to kiss him? You know, go, ahead, go ahead and do it. Just do it. And it's just like, I want to respect Markel's boundaries. Right. And what if I had done it? What if I had forced on? Would I have looked really terrible, really bad? Would I have, you know, lost his trust and, you know, potentially made things worse than they already, well, they weren't worse, but <laughs> could I have made things worse? <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, absolutely. It, and it's interesting to kind of see him go through that journey. And then we see in the episode right after that, that he then goes with a couple. He goes and has, you know, drinks at a couple's house and they have a son that they adopted. And, you know, he's like, this is a little more my pace. I think I want to get married. I think I want to have a kid, you know, and that was really nice and endearing. And I think we're starting to see a lot of that, you know, more we have what, like, uh, I mean, Jeff Lewis, he isn't really on TV anymore, but we saw him go through the process of having a baby. Mm-hmm. We had uh, Nate and Jeremiah, who I adore. That was I love watching their family. Um, and I think that is an option that you can have a slower paced life and want kids yes. and, you know, be able to not have to be in the stereotype of circuit parties and pop and Molly and, you know, having a bunch of, you know, wild raw sex all the time. Right. And it's, it's, that's part of our community, our part of our gay society. Right. Yeah. And it's, it's, it is what it is yeah. at the end of the day, but it was, it brought so much joy to my heart when that happened. It was night and day from the coming out party right. to more of the wine and dine with the, the child at home. And they talked about the reality of having a child. And even one of the fathers said, look, I miss not being able to go out to clubs and parties, but when that child came into our life, everything changed and part of me is like that that's what i wanted right and i think that's what also tony falk wanted as well off of 12 dates like he wanted kids he wanted five kids if not more and markel was like uh zero to three so it's just like we all have different things and different wants and different desires in life but i think that was colton's desire and it was just a joy to see him want that and desire that and get to experience just a little bit of it even him saying what no go ahead um, even him saying like, I would do it by myself. I don't think now is the time for him to do it himself, in my opinion, just because so much has come out. And I think this was pre-COVID, of course, but like so much has come out since then. Uh, I'm sure he has gone through a journey much longer, but I would be nervous if he said, yeah, I just came out seven months. I want a child. It would make me a little nervous. Intr- what is your take on, on kids? I want them. I yeah. love them. And that's something that, oh God. That's something that didn't make it onto the show at yeah. 12 dates. Like I, I talked about having children. I said two to three is an ideal thing for me. 
and I want to adopt. And if I could be, um, if I could find a surrogate, I would like being able to bring a child into a, a crazy world and let them understand that there is beauty and there's life to be had. And you can go about it any way that you want to something that I didn't get to have. Right. That's what our parents say. I want you to have what I didn't have, mm-hmm. but in a completely different way. And my sister has taken parenting to a whole nother world. You know, they say, don't let your parent be your friend. No, that's what I missed with my parents. I didn't have a friend in my parent. Um, yes, there is a parent and there's a friend, but they can meet, they can be in the middle together. Um, so I want to be able to do that with my children one day. So if there's anybody out there looking, let me know. Can you see yourself doing it solo? Absolutely not. Really? Why? <laughs> I have a dog. I have a Doberman. Mm. And I know a dog is not like a human, but a dog is a child. It's yeah. a baby and it's constantly needing love and nurturing and caring. And sometimes I'm like, I cannot do this. And sometimes I'm like, I need a vacation from being a dog parent. Um, and I leave them with their aunts and uncles and all the friends. But no, I wouldn't want to do that alone. I think part of being a parent is also having a partner in that, yeah. whether that's a romantic partner whether that's having your mother or your grandmother help you raise your child, it, it takes a village. And when people say that all the time, it is so true. It takes an entire village. And I would hate to have that child have one perspective um, because I don't know everything, right? I don't, I haven't experienced everything in the world, but if I had a partner that experienced other things, that child is just going to be more prepared in the world that we, we live in. It's interesting. I had a conversation the other night with one of my aunts, probably one of the ones that I'm the closest to. And I told her, I was like, I think within the next five years, I want to have a child and I can see myself doing it on my own. And obviously she didn't have the reaction that I was hoping and expecting. She was, you know, she was more like, it's really hard to have a child. It was more of like, she, without saying it, I think she kind of said that she thought that it was a selfish decision and that she doesn't think that I'm ready to be a parent. And I understand that. Um, Obviously, when you're choosing to have children, there are many other elements that have to come into play. And obviously, being selfish is one of the things that I've gone back and forth with. This is something I've thought about for years. but I'm in the place where I know I have so much support around me and my mother is ready to be a grandma. And I know I have so many people in my life and I've seen so many people be able to do it single, you know, that I would, I can see myself going in that route of adopting or finding a surrogate and, and doing that. Um, and like totally change, I would change my life tomorrow to have a child and make that my number one priority. Obviously I want to do it when, you know, things are a little more stable and financially I'm a little more secure. That's why I say like not tomorrow, but it's something I want to take steps for within the next five years. You know, in my thirties, I want to have a family of my own and to be able to mix that into my current family. But it was just so interesting because I kind of also felt the sense that like, why is it any different for me to choose to want to have a child when any of my cousins or my siblings can get pregnant pregnant or get somebody knocked up tomorrow? And if that's the case, everybody would step in to support them. You know, why would it be any different if I were to choose to have a child? You know, like if any of 
my cousins or anyone ended up getting pregnant and the baby mm-hmm. daddy leaves, you know, and she has to raise that child on her own, how would that be any different than somebody that's choosing and taking the time and effort and spending the, you know, financial resources to bring to be able to bring a child into the world? Obviously, that's something that has to be very well thought out, that that's not something mm-hmm. I would be making on a whim, you know? Right. And let me be clear, like, there are people that have done it for many, many years, yeah. right? There are single mothers, there are single fathers due to walking out, due to death, due to whatever. Yeah. And I applaud them for it. And they do have the support systems. And the question is raised, I'm a gay male. Yeah. Why can't I do it? Yeah. Um, where is my support system? Where is this child support system? So it's never to say, I couldn't do it. I just don't want to do it. Yeah. And I think for you, I think that's a beautiful thing. Uh, you, you desire it. And I'm sure that your family would love it. My family would love it. My mom's never talked about it. I don't think she has the, the gall to, to ask me yet. My sister hasn't said anything yet. But at the same time, it's like, all right, if y'all ask me that question, my first thing is going to be like, where's my man? Yeah. And then we can talk about having a child. But uh, actually, I just asked to be, uh, I've been asked to be a surrogate for the past three years by one person. So we'll, I mean, not a surrogate, sorry, a donor. So we'll see what happens. Ah, would you do that? Beautiful lesbian couple. Absolutely. We were drunk the first night I said yes, but the answer hasn't changed. I I love this beautiful couple so much and I'm so ready for them to bring in uh, a beautiful child. Oh, that's exciting. What would you say was your biggest takeaway from coming out, Colton? Mm. The overall process for Colton, as many as other gays, um, and if you you know agree, definitely let me know if I disagree. But it's it's finding approval and acceptance from mm. every person you pass. Um, if not that, it's it's finding and seeking approval from the things that cherish that you cherish and you care the most about. And that's that was this entire process from beginning to end. He's looking for acceptance from the people that he cares about the most. And that was my biggest takeaway. At the end of the day, I don't think that I have full acceptance from my mom. Yeah. And will I ever get full acceptance from my mom? I don't know. My dad's like, whatever. I love you. You're my son. Yeah. You know, he taught me how to work on a car. He taught me how to build things. His job's done, right? That in his eyes, it's done. Um, but my mother, that's that's the backbone of the family, a mother's love, and that that's who you come from. So if you do have that mother in your life and you do have that connection with her, that's what you seek approval for. You want the approval of your people that you care the most about. And like, yes, I have my best friends, I have my ex-boyfriends who have now turned friends, I have my girlfriends, I have acquaintances that are always going to be accepting because what? I'm an adult and I put myself in those spaces where I feel the most safe, right? But sometimes when I go back to church or when I go to be around certain family members, I know they know, right? What am I scared of? Why can't I have that conversation? Why can't I bring up on Christmas this year that I was on 12 days of Christmas? Like my mom still hasn't brought it up. She knows about it, but she hasn't brought it up. So I think the biggest takeaway is, and hopefully a message for your viewers that that haven't done this process yet are still going through the process. It's acceptance will not always be hundred percent, but to keep pushing and to keep striving for exactly what you want. But at the end of the day, accept them of yourself because that's who we have to go to sleep with every single night. And that's tough. You know, it's, I find myself continuing to go through that. You know, I even made the decision to not want to get married or to not have like a wedding because I know that should I ever choose to do that, 
half of my family, some of the most important people that I have to me, would not support or be there for that. And I think that would just be too crushing for me to go through that experience. And obviously that's hard and that may change in the future. I don't think that it will. Mm-hmm. I don't love weddings. Uh, not that I don't love weddings, but like, I don't want to be like up there with people like watching me it's kiss somebody. Lot. It's a lot. And I get it. People love it and you do you boo. But like for me, I don't want to be making out with somebody in front of an audience um, on television. Give me a paycheck and I'll, I'll, you know, I'll do what you want me I mean, to do. All these half wife shows, right? <laughs> But, you know, it's just it is challenging because it really is about acceptance. And I think, you know, there are a lot of listeners that have children that are probably young because I know some of them have reached out to me with their own kind of questions and being like, how do I navigate this? So hopefully they're listening right now and able to, you know, take some notes and, and help them on their own journey of helping, you know, their children come into their identities. But it's like, right. I liked this series. I was skeptical. There were elements of it, like, you know, him coming out to his parents on camera or coming out to, like, you know, the football coaches on camera. I didn't entirely love that because I feel like that's such a personal moment and you get you blindside people without being able to have a real raw reaction because people change on camera. You know, for me, I'm very comfortable on camera, but I know other people. And that those are elements that I've had to respect with other people is, like, my level of comfort in sharing and opening up opening up my life is very different from the people around me. And you have to kind of respect mm-hmm. that. So there were a couple of moments that for me, I'm like, I wish he would have had those moments with them off camera. Obviously we love them on camera cause we get to experience those raw emotions. But you know, aside from that, I was actually really impressed with how well it was done. You know, it was done very well. And I loved how they pulled, um, ex-NFL players yeah, um, all the way from the 60s into meeting Colton and Colton being able to not only relate on a, a gay level, but also from different ethnicities, you know, um, Essera, and then you had Michael, and then I, I so wish I remembered the white guy's name, but you had all these other um, perspectives on coming out. And I also just want to go back to what you said about the parents that watch or the people that want to have children, or you think that your children's going through something, ask the questions. And if they don't want to answer those questions, let them know that there's room for communication and that they should never be ashamed to come to you about anything because that's where it starts in the home. And had I had that at home, no telling where I'd be today, but I don't diminish my journey. I love my journey. Yeah. Um, But I think the show did a right. And I think the show does a very good job of that. And especially when you, he goes to talk to his brother and he talks to his mom and he talks to his best friend. Like you have this great progress of like acceptance from them and understanding and you get to your dad. And I thought that dad was going to flip this crap. I thought it was going to walk off screen, but he didn't. And he, the dad had this beautiful, surreal moment during his little offside interview where he began to cry. And I was just like, that's what I want society to have of is more cisgendered heterosexual men being in touch with their emotions yeah because that's where it starts you know we look up to our fathers like well we can't be gay because my dad said it's a bad thing it's okay to be emotional yeah soft right um and then he goes to talk to his coach about it and his coach is just like i don't know what you want me to say and i just kind of felt really uncomfortable about that because this is the coach of a high school team (laughs) on national tv what do you expect to get from him because this could also bother his career as well right so but overall I enjoyed it. I, and I yeah. said, like I said earlier, I wanted to go into this not liking it, which wasn't fair at yeah. all. And I loved his dad. His dad was probably one of my favorites because the dad was so much more supportive than I was expecting. Um, and 
Yeah, I just it was it was done really well. And I appreciated the fact that you go because I was worried. I was like, there's probably going to be some like preaching in here and there's going to be some like, let me teach you some lessons. But like for the most part, you go through the learning experience with him. And I think Mm -hmm. that's what's valuable to people is it's not somebody coming in and trying to teach you what it means to be gay. It's someone going through their own journey of self-discovery that they bring the audience along with us for. Right. And let's be honest. I think that's what Netflix's perception of this was supposed to be, right? right? It's not the fact that he's a white male. That's, I don't think that's what it was at all. It's he's a straight seeming and presenting white male that has so much notoriety and now he's coming out. Let's follow that journey and use that as a platform for somebody else. I think that's the overall story for this. Yeah. I just think for the opposing side, it's why does it have to be a white male? And I think that now we're creating room for in the future for it not to be just a white male. And hopefully we continue to push those boundaries and open up that conversation further. Oh, yes, absolutely. All right, Benji, where can we go to slide into your DMs and keep up with with all of the the thirst traps? Oh, my gosh. Um, I do have a Twitter, but I don't even know what my handle is. But you can always find me on Instagram at Officially Benjamin. I love it. Officially Benjamin. Everyone go and give him a follow. You can give me a follow at Just Plain Zach. Follow the show at No Filter with Zach. And stay tuned for new episodes of Hashtag No Filter with Zach Peter every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. We have live episodes every Friday. Thank you guys for tuning in. I love you. I appreciate you. Send me your show recommendations. Go give uh, Benji lots of love and support and, you know, slide into those DMs. I hear he's single. Well, I don't know. What happened? Is is Homeboy a thing? Is that, you know, someone that we've loved for five years now? You know, that's, love? yeah, the person I've loved for five years is still my best friend. We're, we're going on that journey slowly but surely. But you know what? I'm single for the record. So All right. There you go. Go slide in. Thank you guys for listening. Appreciate all the love. If you haven't done so yet, check out Coming Out Colton and let me know what your thoughts of the do- of the docu-series were. And like I said, send me any other recommendations because I'm ready to watch. I love a good binge. All right, guys. I will talk to you later this week. And until then, I'm going to go chat up Benji's ear a little bit more. All right, guys. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye, guys. <laughs>